Hello and welcome to the Anti-Football Podcast. Uh, today we'll be looking at Newcastle's recent two games against Palace and Southampton in the Premier League. Um, against Palace, it was a 2-1 unfortunate loss, um, but a very good win against Southampton at the weekend, 3-2. Uh, Tom, do you want to talk us through just sort of a general overview of your last few games? Well, yeah, well, first of all, we played um, at home to Crystal Palace, which was a big game going into it. Uh, it's Palace, possibly one of the one of the weakest sides in the league. Probably at home, especially in pre-COVID, it would have been a massive game for, for Newcastle to try and get three points from. Uh, and it started off incredibly well. In the first two minutes, John Joe Shelby scored from the end of the box, which was get off to, and we got off to a great start, really positive. But then we conceded to one from a set piece from Gary Cahill and then another Redewald sort of just sort of bounced around. Then it came out to him and he fired it home. Uh, for the second half, it was a strange game. It was as though the roles were reversed as Newcastle are normally the ones sitting back and having no non another ball. Uh, but in reality, we had plenty of the ball uh, and that seemed to shock our players a bit and we didn't really know what to do with it. And then... Having lost to, to Palace 2-1, we then went into the Southampton game uh, needing even more of a win, uh, needing a win even more. Southampton off the back of a 9-0 defeat, which was disappointing for them, obviously. Uh, and they would have wanted a reaction. But fortunately, uh, yeah, again, we got off to a really good start. Uh, and got Went 2-0 up. Uh, they brought one back and then we got 3-1 just before half time, which was brilliant. Uh, seemed quite comfortable at the time. And then uh, Jeff Hendrick decided that uh, it was too easy for us and uh, decided to get sent off for an absolutely stupid foul uh, for a second yellow card. Uh, and then shortly after, after we used all three substitutes due to injuries and the replacing people for the red card. Uh, Fabian Shaw went down injured for the last 20 minutes, leaving us with nine men against 11 for 20 minutes. Um, which, and as I forgot to mention, James Ward-Prowse reduced the deficit to 3-2, but luckily we were able to hold on and for the three points and get a 3-2 win. So, yeah. Yeah, as you sort of mentioned then, the, uh, the game against Palace isn't exactly sort of what you'd expect from a Newcastle team. Like, you know, looking at this game, you had 61% possession and you had 21 shots compared to their six, um, even though you lost 2-1, which is obviously unfortunate. But, you know, it's a very different... Uh, if you had to predict the sort of the statistics of this game, you would not have really, like, seen sort of that outcome coming uh, in terms of how the game was played. Uh, what did you sort of make of this game compared to your usual? Yeah, as I said, it was basically rolled reversed, pretty much. We went from Newcastle are normally a team that has the least possession and least shots out of the two teams that they're playing. Or, and against Palace, you might have expected fairly even statistics based on the on the two sides. Uh, but yeah, as once Palace got the lead, they just sat in, uh, which I don't think... Uh, I think Palace fans will be happy to have got the win, but I don't, I'm not sure they will have been particularly pleased with how their team played for, for periods of the second half because they did just sit back and didn't and sort of look to absorb the pressure which is fine but they didn't really propose much of a threat on the counter-attack which I think is what they would have been after from a Newcastle point of view it was it was frustrating uh it did feel as though we kind of were a bit clueless and didn't really have any ideas of how to break down this Crystal Palace team 
which makes sense to an extent because of the ways that we've been playing. As I say, we've been using playing on a counter-attack and we've not been used to having a lot of the ball and trying to break down low blocks. Uh, and that was what we are forced to do. And Steve Bruce's answer to this seemed to be put every striker that we have on the bench, on the pitch, in an effort to create something, which obviously doesn't work because it just takes away the structures of the attack and just leaves you with like five people in the box and no one to cross it into them. Uh, which was a bit disappointing. Um, so yeah, as a result, it was it, that was a really frustrating game actually. Yeah, I, the substitutes are a weird one. So the Steve Bruce has done before. Um, you know, the, the subs he made, he brought on so Maximin, Gale, and Carroll. Um, you know, Carroll and Gale later on, especially. <clears throat> um, to you know, then you have three strikers on the pitch, and you're taking off defenders for them, and it's just a very like, you know, not a particularly logical. Uh, attempt to try and claw any some goals back but um you know looking at then Southampton you know you had a very good reaction from the Palace game obviously you had a few decent results before the Palace game and then were disappointed on the day but um you know you bounced back against Southampton with a strong performance and then um you know 20 minutes with nine men is uh impressive to be honest and there's a lot of teams in the league who wouldn't have been able to hold on um I would not trust Spurs in that scenario whatsoever um so what did you sort of make of that Southampton game from that respect. Uh, yeah, it was uh, it was a massive reaction. It was really needed. Uh, we started the game excellently, to be honest with you. Having lost to Palace, you might have thought the team sort of would have gone into it a bit half-heartedly, uh, but instead they they came out firing, and we we really did uh, cause Southampton a lot of problems in the first half an hour, especially. Um, then we died off a bit, but then we got one just before half time. As you say, in the second half and nine men, we played a, just two banks of four and that was it for the last 20 minutes. And it was absolutely horrible to watch from a, from a Newcastle point of view. It was the most stressful final second half ever from a point of view that we were 3-1 up and cruising, immediately went down to 10 men and then immediately went 3-2 and then went down to nine men. And it was just seemed to like everything was going against us, basically. Uh, but... The team showed a really good spirit and confidence and sort of ability to hold out. Uh, and that is, over the few last few years, under, under Rafa especially, what the team was built on was on defensive structure and ability to stop teams scoring against them. Uh, and I think that sort of kicked in, those sort of instincts kicked in in the, in the, in the final 20 minutes against Southampton, which was, which was huge. Obviously, we did concede chances. Danny Ings hit the post and it came straight back to, out to Darlow, very fortunately. Uh, but apart from that, it was it was just a massive three points. And to be honest, uh, apart from the Ings chance, Southampton probably didn't do enough to stretch the nine men that we had on the pitch. They they kind of played into our hands a little bit at times. Yeah, and obviously Southampton are in pretty poor form. They've just come off a nine nil loss, um, their second one in just about eighteen months, um, which is obviously bitterly disappointing for them. So this was definitely a big chance for Newcastle to get some important points against a side that. You know, it was a good time to play Southampton when, you know, just a month ago they were um, looking really dangerous. And in this game, like you went back to your normal of you know, having less possession, even in the first half when you did have 11 versus 11, um, you only had 33% possession. And then, you know, the game overall, you had um, 26 by the end, but obviously playing a significant amount with um, <clears throat> less players. Um, what did you make of, obviously, Almiron scored a brace in this game and was really influential and he's been playing this different role that we discussed in the last episode. Um, what do you make of him 
in this game especially, but against Palace as well? I think Almiron deserves a huge amount of credit. Uh, he's always put in the hard yards for the team, no matter what position he's played in. And he always runs and puts everything in. And he's been accused of running around like a headless chicken before. But I think people confuse that with energy. Like, he he, did, he provides so much energy into this team. At, at times, this team took really sort of lethargic and not had anything about them. Amaron's the only one who always looks to go forward whenever we get the ball. And whenever he's pressing, he presses with intensity and looks to get in the face of the defender and really does try very hard. So it's really fun to see him suddenly be played in this number 10 role, this sort of attacking midfield role, and be given sort of freedom to, to create uh, and get in and join attacks. And as you say about the possession, I think it really suits our team being able to play on the counter-attack, especially when you've got St. Maximin, Almiron and Wilson. It does provide, there's a lot of pace and directness in that, in that counter-attack and a lot of skill. And it's, it's good to, it's, Amaron is, I've always been a big fan of him in terms of his work rate. Uh, he had needed to work on his end product and that, and to be fair to him, that's what he's done. And being able to get two goals, albeit the second one was fortunate by a deflection, but it's really, I, like, he's one of those players, you see him score and you can't help but be really happy for him because he looks like he really wanted it and he really sort of cares about how the team performs and how the team does. Uh, and I think that's a lot of what Newcastle fans ask for in their players is that players that actually care about what's happening and making a difference. Uh, so, yeah, I was really pleased for him. Uh, and I think that new role really suits him brilliantly. And it'll be a shame if he's ever moved back out wide again because of how influential he's proved he can be in that number 10 role. Yeah, I mean, you know, after that, that brace has taken him to four goals in the Premier League this season, which is you know not a bad return at all. He also has one assist and... Uh, you know, in this Newcastle team, he's the second top goal scorer behind Wilson. And, you know, since he joined uh, from the MLS in, uh, a few years ago now, um, you know, he's been really influential. And I think, yeah, his end product was disappointing. A lot of people didn't really give him much respect. But I think watching him play in a, at what at times was a really um, poor Newcastle side, he was one of the sort of shining lights in that team. Um and as you say, he was always working hard and just gave his all for his team. And he's, you know, he does bring a lot to the team, even if it is an always end product. But if you can add that to his game, which he hopefully will continue to do, then I think that'll be uh, massive for him and Newcastle as a whole. Um, obviously, Sam Maximin is now making his return, finally. Um, he got two goals in this game. And, uh, you know, we've talked before how he's, you know, Newcastle's best player, really. He's exciting and... Uh, one of the most exciting players really to watch in the league and what did you make of his performance um, this weekend? Yeah, yeah, he got two assists in your goals uh, against uh, <laughs> Southampton but he was, it's so fun to watch. Well, I've spoken about him before, he just is one of those players that like, just he's an entertainer. Like you watch him and you just can't help but be like, he's one of the type of players that can do things that other players can't and his ability to go past players is just ridiculously good. He, he to get two assists was very big for him as well. Uh, set up Willock, who we'll talk about later, for his for his debut goal. Uh, and he caused loads of problems, to be honest with you. He, against Stevens, um, Stevens against St. Maximin. St. Maximin, you always thought, probably had the upper hand in in terms of agility and being able to, to bypass him and skill um, 
so it was really good to watch and it was really good to see him starting there was a moment where he started limping and my heart sank uh, especially after we'd had a couple of other injuries um and Wilson went off injured as well which is incredibly worrying but we'll get onto that as well um and yeah so I I love Sam Maximin don't get me wrong and I hope we can we can keep him fit uh, and playing well because and keep him happy because he is one of the most influential players in the team by far. And I think it's obvious from anyone looking in as well. Yeah. And then looking at another influential player who doesn't really get the recognition from a lot of people uh, is Isaac Hayden. Obviously, you know, um, against Palace, I think he was playing in midfield, but then against Southampton, he was back in defence, um, which isn't necessarily his stronger position, but he still does a job there. Um, what do you make of his sort of importance and roles in these respective games? Yeah, it, 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 he's a huge player for us. As much as Almiron, St. Maximin and Wilson are attacking, are our main attacking threats, Isaac Hayden is our best defensive asset by a very long way. He, I, in my eyes, he should be the captain of the team. Uh, I think the way he speaks in post-match interviews and, and the way he conducts himself in such a professional manner makes him the perfect example. And I think he's a really good example for, for kids growing up who, who want to see like a player who works hard and is fair, but he's also plays the game, uh, plays his position incredibly well. He does his role very well. And I think he is underappreciated by a lot of fans outside of the, uh, Newcastle. Um, by Newcastle fans, I think he's finally starting to get the recognition that he deserves. And I think he's a cracking player because of his ability to, to to win back possession and yeah he's just so incisive in defense um when he's playing in center back he's good he's a decent center back he's probably one of our better center backs if to be honest with you if you put him in there but in defensive midfield i i think he's one of the standouts uh in out of a lot of teams especially out of the bottom half maybe even further up, he's one of the standout defensive midfielders in my eyes because of the role that he plays. Um, so, yeah, I'm really pleased with him. It's interesting, I, I was on the topic of playing in centre-back. I saw an interview the other day about, uh, I forgot that he played under Steve Bruce at Hull before we signed him from from Arsenal uh, when he was on loan at, at Hull. And he Steve Bruce said that he had his chief scout come and watch... Uh, um, Isaac Hayden for playing for Hull uh, and said and his chief scout thought that Hull, Hayden's best position was centre-back centre uh, which is really interesting um, I don't think that's the case but I think it is very valuable that he can be so versatile as well he's played right-back for us he's played centre-back for us and he's our best midfielder in my eyes in terms of impact upon the team uh, which, is, which is really important and as I say I don't think his role in the team can be underappreciated, really. Yeah, no, I definitely agree with that. Um, looking at another sort of midfielder who's trying to make an impact is Joe Willock, who has joined later on in the transfer window and scored 16 minutes into his debut um, against Southampton. Um, you know, I thought it was a really strong signing. Um, I don't know, how, you know, he hasn't really had much of a role in at Arsenal so far, which is understandable. Um, but, you know, looking at this Newcastle side, I feel like he could definitely add um, a good dimension to this midfield and sort of increase that um, the link between attack and defence. What did you make of uh, his debut against Southampton? Yeah, I was really happy when we got him over the line um, against uh, on the final day on deadline day. 
uh, when we got Joe Willock in, I was very happy that he would finally, we brought in someone. And to be honest, he fitted the profile exactly what we were after in terms of a midfielder who can link the play from defence to attack and carry the ball. Uh, and his debut was excellent as well. Uh, in terms of his, how much of a role he'd had at Arsenal, uh, he, he did play in the, in the Europa League. And I think he got three goals and three assists in four Europa League games for Arsenal, which was very surprising when I, when I saw that, to be honest with you. I think what Bruce talked about, uh, not that I'd listened to Bruce too much, is that the Willock brings goals from midfield uh, and he's willing to get in a box. And I saw some comparisons with it, with uh, Vinaldum during his time at Newcastle as arriving late in the box, exactly what happened for his goal. And he, even in his press, post-match uh, interview, he talked about how he told St. Maximin once he'd beaten the fullback to cut it back to the edge of the box and he'd been waiting. And that is exactly what we've been missing. At the moment, Like you look at the team, Hendrick and Shelby. Uh, Shelby can play a role sometimes. Jeff Hendrick does not play a role in, in the team in my eyes. I don't understand what he does. Um, I've watched him all season and I struggle to see the impact that he has on our team, apart from negative ones. Uh, and if it was, yeah, so I, 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 it's a breath of fresh air to have Willock in. I, it's a shame we're only probably going to have him for six months, but I think he could be a really key player for us, hopefully in the second half of the season as, as we strive for survival uh, and to steer clear of a relegation battle, which we're currently in. Um, so, yeah, I was really happy for him. And he provided that injection of, of attacking ability from midfield, which we've been crying out for. Yeah, he's definitely um, offers something different from the rest of the sort of midfielders you have in terms of the type of player that he is. Um, he has a lot more, sort of, I'd say, just like flair and attacking ability. Um, he's just a higher technical standard than like some of the players you'd expect. Like Jeff Andrek is sort of a key example of that. Um, you, you know, you mentioned the uh, relegation battle there, but you know, looking at the league table, you're not in a terrible position. I mean, Fulham and Burnley have a game in hand, but you're and you're only two points ahead of Burnley, but Fulham uh, really dropped off, and you know you're ten points ahead of them at the moment. Yes, they do have a game in hand, but um, you know the bottom three are, are quite far behind, um, like Brighton, Newcastle, and Burnley. Now, you know um, it could easily quickly change, um, as we know, and you could easily be sucked into that relegation battle. But how confident do you feel at the moment, um, considering that? I'm a lot more confident than I was if you asked me three or four games ago. However, I would be a lot more confident if we'd managed to beat Crystal Palace as well, which is exactly what we should have done. And then we wouldn't be having, then I wouldn't be too worried at all. As it is, we're going to look at our upcoming game shortly, but we've got Chelsea and Manchester United and Wolves in our next three. And then I was looking in about five to 10 games time, we have an absolutely horrible run where we have Leicester City, Manchester City, Liverpool, all in the space of like five games or something. And then another couple of two, another couple of good teams. I think West Ham in that role as well, uh, which I think is incredibly concerning. So I'm quietly confident, but I'm not putting, I wouldn't be putting any money on us surviving as of yet because of the runs that I know we've got coming. And it's important that we don't slip into another run, a winless run like we did over the winter period, because then, it's important that we don't give any sort of hope to the teams in the bo- at the bottom of the table. Yeah, definitely. Um, you know, the, those, the bottom three look 
fairly helpless, but there's always that chance of a, a big comeback. Um, and anything special in the, in the Premier League. Um, you know, at the moment, Newcastle have had a few injuries. Um, there's some shortages in defence, especially centre-back and right-back. Uh, talk us through the situation there, and do you think it was a mistake not really bringing anyone in in January? Um, yes. Uh, <laughs> no, but uh, I think the big mistake was learning out uh, Florian Lejeune or not including a recall recall clause in his contract to loan him out to Deportivo Alaves. Because uh, I think in a lot of, you ask a lot of Newcastle fans, I think they'd tell you that 